Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. 1800s, a revivalist by the name of Charles Finney began his ministry. He was an attorney who had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with total conversion. When you read his writings, he indicates that there were times when he did not sing a hymn at the beginning of his meeting. Instead, he would read a hymn. I'm going to open this broadcast today not with the normal coming storm music, but with a hymn. It's found on page 622 of the United Methodist Hymnal, which I use. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more to all the ransomed church of God, be saved to sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supplied, redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die, and shall be till I die, and shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be until I die. Then, in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save, when this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. Lies silent in the grave. Lies silent in the grave, when this Poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. That is that old camp meeting song. There is a fountain filled with blood. For the past two weeks, People from all over the country have flocked to a 
to a university, Asbury University in Kentucky, to take part in what is being called a historic revival. It all began on February 8th and is scheduled to end by the university president sometime this week, probably Wednesday. I've been very hesitant and shy of speaking about this revival, so-called, but I am compelled to speak very forthrightly about what happened there because this Methodist University, Asbury University, is symbolic of what is happening in the American Christian Church. There is a great hunger in the hearts of God's people to be loved. We find in church after church, they will spend 30 to 45 minutes to an hour in what they call praise and worship. There's a great hunger for God to come and move among us. But the spirits must be tested. That's what 1 John tells us. When I look at what has happened at Asbury, and I have listened to many hours of what was called a revival, I have watched, I have listened, I have prayed, and I recognize that there is a danger that this this happening at Asbury University could quickly spread across the church in America and that men and women would feel that this was God coming to love them, to bathe them in his presence and in his love. I don't believe that's what happened there. I believe there was renewal for some who were there. I don't believe it was a revival. Now, I want to take you to some very specific scriptures. I want to talk about it. It's not my intention to offend or to in any way denigrate any move of God, every move of God is welcome in my heart. I desire the move of God in America with tears and weeping. But this was not it. This could easily lead to a great deception in the American church. I'm going to take us to Hebrews, the third chapter, 
I'm going to talk about the chapter. And then I want to take you to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And I want to talk about what I see happening. This old hymn that I read for you at the beginning of the broadcast, it was written back in the 17, let, let me look, 1771, based on Zechariah 13.1, where a fountain is opened. A fountain was not opened at Asbury during the last two weeks, now going on the third week. A fountain opening means honest, forthright repentance, recognizing our sin. There was a Pharisee, and there was a publican who went to the temple to pray. One said, thank God I'm not like this other man. The publican said, oh God, forgive me a sinner. And Jesus said he went down to his house justified. True revival can only begin with honest, forthright repentance. It does not begin with, love me, God. Let me experience your love. Let me sing songs that will give me a sentimental tingle. I did not hear in all of the hours that I listened to this revival, I never heard a song like there is a fountain filled with blood. I didn't hear that. Perhaps I missed it. Or many other old Wesleyan hymns. I didn't hear it. Because the American church does not want repentance. They want to be loved in the midst of their sins. Because in America, we're entitled. We're somebody. And all we want is to be loved as we are unconditionally. And that is not the love of God. That is not the love of God. I listened to the sermon that introduced this time of happening. And it was a perfect setup for the American church. It was done humbly, personably, but he was wrong. And I believe he sinned against Almighty God by his sermon because he set the stage to say, God just wants to love on you. Nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is the wrath of God is being built up against the American church to such an extent that if we do not change our way of coming to him and let go of our worship and praise until we have gotten clean 
until we are washed in the blood, until we sin no more, we will be swept away. And many who stand for hours and sing worship and praise will find themselves cast into hell with the Lord saying, Depart from me, I don't know you. Over and over in the book of the Gospel of John, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. He does not say sing songs of praise to me. It was not accepted by the God of heaven. And he is not pleased with what happened there. Now, I recognize some of you may be very angry with me for saying these things. But what I'm speaking is is truth. In Hebrews, the third chapter, it begins, Therefore, holy brothers, that is, he's speaking to men and women who have left their sin who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, who are cleansed. And he's now going to speak to those people about how they need to stand. And he does not say you need to stand and sing hours and hours of praise and worship music. No, listen to what he says. Who share in the heavenly calling Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful to all of God's house. Moses was the caretaker. He was the servant in the house of God. But Jesus Christ is the creator. He built the house. And so he begins in verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years, saw what I did. So, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the men and women who have left their sin, who are righteous before God. And he's saying to them, I need to warn you, don't harden your heart. Well, how is a heart hardened? A heart is hardened in the same way the path was hardened that Jesus spoke about in the Gospels. A path well worn down and packed solid by traversing this many times. And he's saying, don't let your heart become hardened by traveling this way so many times. And the American church has traveled this road so many times, the hearts of the American people have hardened against Jesus Christ. 
until finally we're reduced to simply saying, please love me. I just need to be loved. No, you don't need to be loved. You need to be rebuked for your sin. You need to hear the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that you must leave all of your sin and walk clean before God, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to repent. He says, that is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. That is, their hearts are always roaming. Instead of being focused on Jesus and walking in righteousness and keeping his commands and being separate from the world, the modern church just wants to be loved. God loves us unconditionally. We're covered by God's grace. We're sinning Christians, but we're saved. That's a lie. That's not what the old timers believed. I read to you the hymn. There's a fountain filled with blood where all the sin is gone. It's all washed away. We denigrate the blood of Jesus Christ into some kind of sentimentality that says, just just love me, Jesus. Just love me. The Apostle Paul, when he writes the book of Romans, does not begin by saying, God loves you. He begins by saying, God's wrath is being poured out against all ungodliness. He begins by saying, you are storing up for yourself the wrath of God under that great day, and he will give you over to your wickedness. That's the message that should have been preached on that first day of of the happening. But that wasn't what was preached. And it's not what's preached in the churches of most American congregations. Instead, this sentimental slop is poured out on the people. God loves you. He does love you. And because he loves you, he comes and rebukes us for sin. And he says, don't harden your hearts. You're always roaming. And I can guarantee you that those young college kids may be a little more intense in their walk with Jesus for the next week or two, but then they're going to begin roaming again. They'll begin watching videos and movies, pornography. They'll begin drinking alcohol again. They'll begin walking in the world and pursuing their education so they can be somebody and accomplish great things. Worldliness. He says, that's why I was angry with that generation. God is angry with the American church. Now you can give me all the intellectual garbage you want to give me. You can argue with me, and it's okay. I don't mind. You can say whatever you want to say to me about this. I don't mind. I'm going to go by the word of God. He says, I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray. They're always roaming, and they've not known my ways. 
So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. You do not enter the rest of God by singing songs and worship songs and music. You don't enter the rest of God that way. You enter the rest of God through confession and repentance and being washed in the blood. Now I know I'm, I'm an old man. And many of you would say, oh, pastor, come on, you're just out of touch. I pray to God I'm out of touch with this modern wickedness that I see in the body of Christ. But I pray I'm in touch with the Holy Spirit, not the happy spirit, not the clapping spirit, not the singing spirit, the Holy Spirit. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Today, the modern American church has a very hard heart. If I just merely suggest you should not spend your time watching the Super Bowl, it's wicked. Everything about it is evil. You say, oh, come on, pastor. I had a man come and visit me, ask me to lunch. So I went and sat down with him and he said, pastor, did you say on your radio broadcast, that we should not participate in the professional sporting world. The NFL. Yes, I did. In fact, I said doing so is sin against God. It's a part of the worldliness that seduces us. He said, now come on, pastor. You've got to loosen up. He said, I'm going tomorrow night to a ball game. And I'm, I'm taking a, a non-Christian friend, and it's a wonderful time for me to bear witness to that man and talk to him about Jesus. I said, wrong. Wrong. You're doing it in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the spirits of darkness will be about you. I said, please tell me, do you think that when Jesus brings his people home. He'll have on his to-do list to form a football league. Are we going to see you playing football in heaven? I don't think so. He laughed. He said, come on, pastor. There's nothing wrong with going to a football or baseball game. I said, okay. You're welcome to think whatever you'd like to think. But I'm telling you, that professional sports are going to turn more and more dark. The halftime shows will be totally occult, wicked, evil, unclean spirits. And you're going to go and you're going to participate in all of that. And you will pay a heavy price. And then Hollywood, with all of its influence and power, 
that has flowed out into the culture, Disney World and its utter woke wickedness. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be rendered stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin is extremely deceitful. I used to say to my dad, Dad, what's wrong with going to a movie? Everybody's going to the movies. I want to go to the movies. He said, Raymond, how about if tonight I take you downtown and let's search through some garbage cans and see if we can find dinner for you. Would you like dinner out of a garbage can tonight? I said, oh, no, I'm not going to eat out of a garbage can. Well, he said, don't you think we could probably find some good food there? I said, yeah, maybe, probably. But I'm not going to eat out of a maggot-infested garbage can. He said, the theater is a garbage can. The YouTube entertainment is a garbage can. I'm saying today he didn't. There was no YouTube. The movies... Hollywood, it's a garbage can. And yet we freely dive into the garbage can to get our dinner. He said, instead, why don't you go to God's kitchen? Why don't you go to the word of God? And why don't you feast on that, Raymond? There you'll find the word of God and it will fill you with good food. I got the point. And so I don't go to movies. I don't want to eat out of the garbage can. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Well, what was the confidence at first? That God was carrying us? That we were forgiven for all of our sins? That we were washed and made clean? Now we have to hold firmly to that confidence and not compromise it with the world, the flesh, or the devil. He says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now what concerns me with the happening in Kentucky is that people can walk away from that and say, oh, it was such a good time. God loved me so much. And continue to walk in your wickedness and your sin. But have no sense of need to repent or to confess or to take responsibility for your wickedness, but simply say, I am filled with the love of God. God has loved upon me. He has breathed upon me. And I'm good to go to heaven. No, you're not. You're deceived. 
That's not how heaven comes to us. Heaven comes with confession of sin, with repentance, with turning away from that wickedness, from anger, from bitterness, from lust, from selfishness, from gossip. Malice, causing arguments. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. They're still God's people, but they're in rebellion against him. They don't want the straight word of God. They want their own sentimentality. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? Whose bodies fell in the desert? Are you walking in sin today? Are you clean by the blood? Have you been into that fountain of blood and been washed and cleansed and made whole? To whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief or lack of faith, lack of believing the word of God. Now, if I have time, I'm going to come back to this chapter. But first, I want to take you into Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Therefore, brothers, this is verse 19, Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, not by praise and worship, We do not enter into the presence of God by praise and worship. We enter by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. That word sincere, they would speak of a, pot in the market and the woman would say to the to the man who was selling is this a sincere pot i need to put this on the fire if i put this pot on the fire is wax going to leak out of a crack that you filled is it an insincere pot or is it a sincere pot he's saying let us draw near to god with a heart that is not cracked, where God's presence cannot drain away because of wicked behavior or wicked thoughts. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, that is, faithful to 
totally wash and cleanse us so that we no longer walk in sin. Nowhere in Scripture will you find imputed grace. Grace is never a blanket that covers over our sin. Grace, according to the book of Titus, grace is what God gives to us to teach us and empower us by his blood to say no to wickedness, to sin, to ungodliness. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I did not hear that in this happening. I didn't hear that you should go and walk clean without sin. That was not spoken. Instead, you should go and walk in the love of God while you're still a sinner. Wrong. Doesn't work. Let us not give up meeting together as some were in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, this is where we go into deep water. I'm going to be very bold with you. If you disagree with me, I have studied this for over 50 years. I know I am out of step with the modern church. I know I'm out of step with the happening in Kentucky. But I can't pretend. I have to bring to you the honest truth as spoken in God's word. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Are you deliberately continuing, knowingly continuing to walk in sin before Almighty God? Do you imagine that singing songs of praise and feeling some kind of love and emotion will somehow cover up the sin of your heart? That abortion... that alcohol. Do you think you can be happy with your alcohol and Jesus will be happy with you? Never. He's the one who makes you happy, not alcohol, not pornography in the lust of your heart, not fornication, not adultery, not anger and bitterness and hardness of heart. You have to be transformed. You have to be changed into his likeness. If we deliberately keep on sinning, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. After we have received the knowledge of the truth, knowledge means the very practical working of the gospel. How does the gospel actually work? Confession, repentance, Turning totally from your sin. That's what repentance is. Being washed by the Spirit, being transformed, being given a new life, being brought into the heavenly realm. 
No longer walking in the world and the flesh and the devil. First John. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. No blood of Jesus is left for you. If you say you're a Christian and you're still walking in rebellion against Almighty God, the day is going to come when no sacrifice for sin will be left for you but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You can spend weeks, months, praising and worshiping the name of Jesus and be his enemy because you are coming out of the camp of the devil. You are playing with sin. You are playing with the occult. You're playing with alcohol. You're addicted to drugs. You're somehow refusing, hardening your heart against Almighty God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? What's he talking about? If you say a man can never leave his sin, he's going to be a sinner until the day Jesus comes. He's going to be a sinner until the day he dies. He can never leave his sin. You are trampling the blood of Jesus and reducing it to the same level. As it says over here, you are reducing it to the same level as the blood of bulls and goats has no more power than the blood of bulls and goats. That's terrifying. The blood of bulls and goats, of lambs, could not wash away your sin. It could not redeem you. It could not make you holy. It could not remove the sin from your heart or your life. You're insulting the spirit of grace. I consider what happened at Azusa Street as an insult to the spirit of grace. Why? Because sin was not removed. Confession was not made. It was just nonstop music. Now some people in their own private world, I'm sure, repented. And I pray they got clean and have been filled with the power of Almighty God. I pray that's true. 
Verse 30, for we know him who said, It's mine to avenge, I will repay. For we know him who said, It's mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you received the light. When you stood your ground in great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous ones will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. I urge you to read carefully Jonathan Edwards' great sermon. Pray it through. Cry aloud. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. You can get it on the internet. Just Google it. None of us deserve heaven. I don't, you don't. Every one of us deserves the wrath of God to consume us on that great day. We deserve to be cast into the fires of hell. I have no merit to bring to the cross of Jesus Christ. All I can do is come and confess how I have sinned against him and repent of that and ask him to come in his glorious blood and wash me clean and make me whole. I want to read for you again this incredible hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins And sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. The song does not say, There is a worship room filled with praise and worship. And I'll be plunged beneath the flood of the music doesn't say that. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains and the sinner plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. 
the dying thief rejoice to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die, and shall, shall be till I die, and shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be until I die. Then in a nobler, Sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. When this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, lies silent in the grave, lies silent in the grave. When this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. That's the song, the camp meeting song we used to sing when I was a little boy. And for years has been sung, but oh no, not today. Today we just want to talk about Jesus loves me, this I know. The truth, Jesus does love you. But your sin stands in the way. And I call upon you today to repent, to confess your sin before him on your face, to get clean, to be washed in that fountain of blood. Plunge yourself into that fountain of blood, not into a a stream of sentimental music, but into that stream of blood. Confess your sins. Get right with God, and then you'll have this incredibly powerful testimony that you are washed clean, that Jesus did it for you. He has saved you, and you are washed and made whole. And then you can have the power to win others to Jesus Christ. I don't want you to be deceived. The American church is ripe for an Asbury happening because the church is hungry to be loved in its uncleanness. And God will not reach out in his love until the church of America repents 
confesses the ugliness of its sin and repents before Almighty God and is washed clean by that precious blood. I want revival, but I want a revival of godliness. I want a revival of righteousness. I want a revival of obedience to Almighty God as outlined in the Word of God. I don't want to be deceived. I'm going to test every spirit. And if a spirit says you can sing this and be loved and God will love on you, and you don't need to leave your sin, he loves you unconditionally, you'll be saved in the midst of your sin, I'm going to say, put on the brakes, there's something ugly going on here. There is sin in the camp. And we've got to get right with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, it gives me no pleasure to bring this message today. I'm terrified, though. I know, oh Lord, that we need the delusions cleared away from our eyes, that Satan has set up so many delusions, so many things that are false, false beliefs and false understandings because we've spent, as Americans, too much time watching wickedness on the television and on the Internet and in the movies. Our hearts have been filled with ugly lies about you, Jesus. And I plead today your blood. I'm asking that Fantasia could be washed away from the Christian church that delusions could be separated from the Christian church in America, that we could see clearly the right road to walk, that we would no longer be deceived, but would cry out to you, Jesus, and be filled with your Spirit, giving us the power and the courage to fall on our faces and repent to you, to confess our sin and to confess to one another our sin and be made clean by your blood. Lord, today we come with those who are willing to plunge ourselves into that fountain of blood to be restored in fellowship with you, where then we can stand and sing honest praises to you, where we can worship with great joy and shouting and celebration because we're washed and we're clean. Not in the ugliness of the sentimental, of the wickedness of our hearts. Lord, please come. Lord, I need you. And my brothers and sisters who will listen to this broadcast will either have their hearts hardened and be angry or they will read the scriptures and say, yes, he spoke truth. I need to get to you, Jesus. I pray, almighty God, for your mercy for the American church. 
I pray your mercy for the so-called revival. I pray your mercy for the people who flock there out of their hunger for love. Let that hunger for love be turned into hunger for righteousness and holiness for your blood, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. This radio broadcast is not listener-sponsored. It's sponsored by Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit moves in your heart to contribute, to help keep us on the air and take it even further, then I invite you to give as the Holy Spirit leads you. You can write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you, my brother, my sister. Enough to tell you the truth. I'll talk to you soon. Oh